Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And uh, Father, bless us with understanding and uh, the things that are coming and uh, so we can cooperate with you. And, and thank you for a wonderful exhortation today to draw close to Jesus. Amen. Well, we called it Get Ready. He is coming soon. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, well, this first article, we're going to call it a great shifting and shaking. Tiana Fire, 621-23. In my dream, we had all been talking about and discussing the plagues and destruction coming up upon the earth. But it seemed not yet, but far away. But... Suddenly, within an hour, God tipped the entire earth upside down. Hmm. There were earthquakes, tsunamis, cyclones all around the globe in places that they never thought could happen. All the influential places were now destroyed and devastated and everything in the world as we know it stopped. Isaiah 13 and 13 says, Therefore I will make the heavens to tremble, and the earth shall be shaken out of its place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Haggai 2, 6 and 7 says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, And I will shake all nations, and the precious things of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord. Now, the precious things of all nations shall come. Things here is not in the original. Uh, The Hebrew is desire of all nations shall come. God's people in all nations are waiting for the coming of the Lord because of all the injustice and all the wickedness that's out there. Amen. And the infilling of glory uh, in His temple is Himself. He is filling His temple. So that's the desire of all nations. And He is coming in the first fruits temple of the man-child because um, He doesn't live to the extent of 100% in most of His people, but there is a full man-child ministry coming. Haggai 2, 20 through 23. And the word of the Lord came a second time into Haggai in the four and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel. This is representing the resurrected man-child. Zerubbabel, born from Babylon, it means. Governor of Judah saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, 
and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. So all those that are chasing the people of God to bring them into captivity, like the faction, will be judged. The Red Sea of God's judgment is near. A faction uh, in the faction is implied here. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, saith the Lord, and I will make thee a, as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, a signet is a sign of authority, like the ring of authority given to the man-child types of Mordecai, Joseph, and Zerubbabel. Okay, that's authority. That's caught up to the throne, right? Luke twenty-one eleven says, And there shall be great earthquakes and diverse places, famines and pestilences, and there shall be terrors and great signs from heaven. Isaiah 64, 1 through 3. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, and that the mountains might quake at thy presence. So there's the coming of the Lord and the earthquakes, right? As when fire kindleth the brushwood, and the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. Presence again. And when thou didst terrible things which we look not for, thou camest down, the mountains quaked at thy presence. Okay, I want you to consider something. You'll notice that the Lord comes in the midst of earthquakes. And our dreams show that they are the worst earthquakes that have ever happened. Even dividing up the land. Even uh, all the way around the world, uh, earthquakes, which kind of lets you know something else is going on. And uh, the Lord has said that he is coming very quickly. And Isaiah showed that he will judge the Edomite faction first when he arrives. Uh, his recompense is before him, right? And we also have quite a few dreams that he will use the deep state and their plague to kill the factious, at least those who are non-elect. So if you look around... I don't see these signs at the moment, and I suspect that it will not be on the 1st of July, which we were suggesting a possibility, uh, but soon, because he did say he was coming soon, okay? Isaiah sixty-two eleven, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the earth, Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh, Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Well, probably as a type and a warning to fear not these things that are coming, Tiana had this experience for those who see this uh, come. Uh, she said, fear tried to jump on me, and I cast it straight off. Uh, get thee hence, Satan. As I knew, God is in control of this. 
Even though I wasn't expecting this would happen so suddenly, I knew I could only trust God and His Word and promises. I had to stay in His presence and joy, in His peace and joy, to be the light for everyone else around me, because I knew that the truth of the Word, and I had to uh, stay strong in Christ for everyone else. And we are to be an example and an ambassador for His kingdom. Yep, yep. It was like the earth had been tipped on its side. Hmm. Well, Planet X is reputed to take our South Pole and pull it towards it when it passes by. And this would uh, make opportunities for things and people to fall into cracks, holes all over the earth. And when the great earthquakes come around the world uh, as it faces Planet X, you see the earth turning and the face of Planet X, which is extremely magnetic (laughs) and is wrecking it. So she went on to say it tipped over a giant pit. In other words, it tipped leading into this giant pit. And many things quickly fell into the hole. But other things were slowly sliding into the hole. But those in Christ in us were upright and couldn't be moved. And those that grabbed onto us, uh, that is Christ in us, were kept from falling in. So he does save the righteous. Amen. But this is also a spiritual shaking, I'm saying where everything will change for those in the world, with many receiving a fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, you, that's, that's their beginning of wisdom. It, it has to happen. Things will also change for those abiding in Christ, believing to be chosen and to be in the bride. And uh, when the latter rain anointing of the man-child ministry begins with Revelation, Revelation 6 judgments, well, amen. And she said the judgments coming upon the world will surprise those that are unprepared, but those living in Jesus are expected, are expecting this, and they are prepared. Revelation 16 and 15 says, Lo, I come as a thief, blessed who watch, and keep his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And also Matthew 24 42 through 51. Watch therefore, for you know not what day your Lord cometh. But know this, that if the housemaster had known what watch the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be dug through. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in an hour that you think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is the faithful and wise uh, bondman? whom the Lord hath set over his household to give them their food in due season. Blessed that bondman whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Amen. And this is the N-E-N-T used very commonly here. Uh, Amen, I say uh, unto you, that he will set him over all that he hath, But if that evil bondman shall say in his heart, My Lord tarrieth, and shall begin to beat his fellow bondman, and shall eat and drink with the drunken, 
The Lord of that bondman shall come in a day when he expecteth not, and in an hour when he knoweth not, and shall severely scourge him, and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. First Thessalonians 5, 2-8 says, For yourselves know perfectly that the Lord's day cometh as a thief at night. But when they are saying, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon the one with child, and they shall in no wise escape. Well, there are two day of the Lord judgments, one smaller uh, before the tribulation, uh, at the end of the bride's testing uh, by the factious to take them down at the Red Sea experience, and then a larger one at the end of the tribulation to judge those who tested the church. The church is going into tribulation, but as you know, uh, Moses went into his tribulation first and came back to bring them through theirs, and that's the way things are going. We had a mini-tribulation before the tribulation. Verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as thieves? For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as the rest, but let us watch and be sober. For who sleep, sleep at night, and who are drunken, are drunken at night. But let us, since we are of the day, be sober, putting on a breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, salvation's hope. In this article we called, Hold on to Jesus. That's the safe thing to do. Need to do that now, now. This is Anonymous, 520-23. I was on a giant mountain, and I was very high up, and the air was fresh and clean. The sun was warm, and there was a beautiful view. On the right side, not far from an edge, Jesus was hanging from a cross, and he had much blood on him. All I wanted to do was hold on to him and hug him. So I climbed up and held on to him as he hung on the cross, and I didn't want to do anything else. And he says in a note, uh, the old man needs to stay on the cross. Yep, absolutely. I stared, I stayed there with him, and sometimes the breeze would get so very cold, but I didn't want to leave. The cold breeze represents attacks from the enemy and trials and tribulations that we must endure when we love the Lord. Uh, we never want to leave him, and we never want to go back to the ways of the world or the old man. Amen. He said, Jesus' warmth strengthened me. The wind would get so strong and it almost blew me off, but I held on tightly. I did not want to come down or let go. I only wanted to hug Jesus. Yes. Well, Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And also Romans six 
4 through 7, came, We were buried, therefore, with him through baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So death is a necessity. We received it by faith at baptism, right? And the one who came up out of that baptism was Jesus. <laughs> Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, so that we should no longer be in bondage to sin. For he that hath died is justified from sin. A sister then came and climbed up and held on to Jesus with me. But then the wind became so very strong, and she slipped and almost fell to the area near the cliff. But I was able to grab her hand before she fell, and I held on to her tight, not wanting her to fall, and I used the strength of my right hand while still holding on to Jesus to pull her back up. She was able to grab onto the cross and then onto Jesus, and the two of us were again hugging and holding onto Jesus. Well, Jesus, uh, through us, gives grace and strength to help each other to hold on to Him. Psalm 73 and 23 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee, Thou hast holden my right hand. Colossians three twelve through 15 Put on, therefore, as God's elect, holy and beloved, a heart of compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving each other. If any man have a complaint against any, even as the Lord forgave you, so also do ye. Otherwise, you are lost, because you are not forgiven, according to Jesus, right? And, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be ye thankful. Amen. And I think Second uh, Corinthians 1, 4 through 5 should suit this. Who comforteth us in all of our affliction, that we may be able to comfort them that are in any affliction, through the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound unto us, even so our comfort also aboundeth through Christ. Amen. Okay, we call this five senses. Marie Kelton had this, 5, 20, and 23. During the meeting, I had a vision of the inside of a cave, and I saw my spirit man drag in five black beings into the cave one by one. I knew that the five black beings were dead. Well, I believe this is representing the five senses of the natural man that are submitted to darkness due to the carnal nature, but must be overcome by the spirit man to take our spiritual land 
from the enemies. So we have to have a renewed five senses, spiritual five senses. The bride will have overcome the five senses. And uh, this text came to mind, she said, Joshua ten seventeen, And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings, that's the five carnal senses that rule the old man's life. The five kings are found hidden in the cave. The cave is the mouth at Makeda. And Joshua said, Roll great stones unto the mouth of the cave and set men by it to keep them. Well, the stones are the word of God, as we already know. Uh, and it must restrain the mouth from speaking according to the old senses. As you know, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yeah. Verse 22. Then said the Lord, open the mouth of the cave. Excuse me. Then said Joshua, open the mouth of the cave and bring forth these five kings unto me out of the cave. Well, these senses must be put to death to conquer our promised land of uh, this nature and life. It must be. Um, there's no other way. And they did so and brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave. And then a little further down on 24, Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the chiefs of the men of war, that went with him, come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. So, and this is the reason for this, is so that they're not permitted to speak out of the mouth. The old man's senses cannot speak out of the mouth. They will ruin everything for you. The the tongue conquers the curse as our book you can go read that and get a lot of understanding and edification. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus saith the Lord, Do to all of your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua smote them and put them to death and hanged them on five trees. So this is the problem being taken care of, the cross took care of this problem. Romans 6, 6 through 12 says, Knowing this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, so that we should no longer be in bondage to sin. For he that hath died is justified from sin. But if we died with Christ, because it's a done deal, it's finished at the cross, even though we're going through the manifestation of this death, it is finished, okay? That's how our faith works. We consider it done. If we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. And then in verse 11, even so, reckon ye yourselves to be dead unto sin. Consider it done, in other words, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. And let not sin therefore, in other words, because you do this, because you reckon yourself to be dead unto sin because of what happened at the cross, 
Because you do this, he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lusts thereof. Okay, and this is, uh, we called it gold mist. And it was given to Tiana, again, 6, 19, and 23. I saw the local and outreach brethren all gathered together in a circle in unity. And she doesn't live in this country, so she just saw it by faith, right? They all had this gold light radiating from each of them and all around and in between them and in the circle. The glow also was like mist all around them, except they were all clearly visible and part of the gold mist. So this gold uh, represents the very valuable life of Christ. Uh, there's 30, 60, and there's 100, right? That's the gold. Uh, and it's given to us through the promises. Amen? We claim them. We look in the mirror and we see Jesus by faith, right? Every person had their arms raised in the air, praising and thanking God. That's power. It binds the demons. It binds the wicked out there. Psalm 149. And they were all ascending higher and higher, all together at the same time and in unity. The glow got bright and bright the, and bright the higher, the brighter, excuse me, the higher they got and the greater God's presence got. I loved how everyone was ascending together as one in unity rather than each ascending at a different time. We are one. Amen. Amen. We call this the greater anointing is coming. Uh, Amos Skaggs, 6-3-2007. Amos passed on, but he was a good friend. Uh, the separation is coming. I saw a new bottle of HD, which is high detergent oil, opened, and the top portion poured out on the ground, as if to skim off the impurities. The major portion of it was to be poured in the oil tank where it belongs. H HD, he says, or Harley Davidson, <laughs> Dominated the half-mile dirt track races in my time. Yes, that's true. Uh, the HD oil w was poured in for the final run to win the race. I was a Harley rider, and although I rode the real fast Japanese bikes afterwards, God communicates to us in a fashion so we can understand. Yes, that's true. So, consider this note. Uh, I guess the small amount of oil poured on the earth is for the earthly early rain Christians because, let's face it, this is an earthly situation that we're in right now. And the great amount poured in the engine is for the anointed man-child at the first and then to lead the body in the same anointing to win the race to the end. Because the man-child leads the body, right? Like Moses led the body through the wilderness, which is tribulation, right? So the small amount on the ground could be the early rain Christians who now are very earthly. And uh, while the greater amount uh, of the coming days could be the early and latter rain promised in Joel 
chapter 2, right? And that's the early and latter reign Christians under the man-child reformers because they're going to be greatly empowered with the knowledge that they did not have uh, to run the race because there's a short time left, right? Haggai 2 and 9, The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Well, high detergent oil is for cleaning up engines. Um, you pour the whole bottle on me, Lord, and <laughs> and get me ready for this. I appreciate it. And everyone out there ought to be saying the same thing, Lord. Give us that anointing. Hallelujah. So, the man-child ministry manifests, we call this. And this was also Tiana 6, 23. I saw Jesus in a dark city, in a dark world, with demons everywhere, and he was the height of a normal man. I felt that Jesus was representing all of us together as one. Well, let me just say that the first fruits to come into the image of Jesus in these days are the corporate body of the man-child, but... Through the revival that they bring, many will join them. Yeah, that's the whole point. The first fruits are not the only fruits, they're just the first fruits, right? So, in maybe a millisecond, she said, he grew so tall, taller than a skyscraper, and every single demon was in extreme fear and terror, shaking and trembling. They were frozen and couldn't move from fear as they all knew, and Jesus knew their time was done. Well, Philippians 2, 10 through 11, she gives that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in the heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To God the Father's glory. Amen. All right, we call this our protector. Marie Kelton, 512-23. During the meeting, I had an open vision of the Lord. The Lord was huge and really tall. Uh, she said, this represents the corporate body of the man-child who is quickly joined by the bride and then later the true church. Amen. That's the sequence it was in the Gospels. Jesus came. He raised up the bride. John called the bride. John the Baptist called the bride. And they went out to raise up the fivefold ministry and raise up the church. And all this is going to, as you know, it has to happen pretty quickly once it starts. I was only able to see the bottom of this linen garment and his linen garment and sandals on his feet. I saw the Lord walking, and as he walked, the floor cracked in front of him. The cracks on the floor looked like fault line cracks. Oh, ho. So here he comes again with earthquakes, right? I then heard a voice say, when he walked, the earth trembled. Mm-hmm. Psalm 68 and 8. The earth trembled. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Yon Sinai 
trembled at the presence of God, the God of Israel. In other words, he has come again with earthquakes. Psalm 77 and 18, The voice of thy thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Psalm 114 and 7, Tremble thou, earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. That's because he's here. (laughs) The earth is shaking because he's here. Amen. So we call this one Supper with Jesus. Uh, Not Suffer, Supper. (laughs) Tiana gave this one, 622.23. I saw the local and UBM brethren all together sitting around a rectangular table for a meal. They hadn't yet eaten, but all the food was already prepared. Jesus was sitting at the very far end of the table, at the head. Our Lord and King's position, yeah. And he was glowing and so much brighter and more pure than white. And the sun, of course, shines so brightly. (laughs) He was speaking with everyone and instructing them with love and compassion. But I don't know what he was saying. But I knew that he was there to eat with all of us so that we will be energized and be ready for what he wants us to do next. Well, at his return in the man-child body to uh, lead his people, Through the wilderness tribulation, greater works will be done. And this is, of course, the seven-day marriage feast, uh, the last seven years on earth before going home to heaven to the marriage supper, right? Amen. Which is in the the groom's home, which is, of course, heaven, right? So Luke 22, 14 through 18. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I shall not eat it until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he received a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I shall not drink from henceforth of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And this is instant deliverance. Again, Anonymous 624-23. I saw us all in refuge, and there was utter chaos all around the world. It was only Jesus in all of the brethren. There were no devils there, because they could not hide in anyone's thoughts or flesh, because the light and the Spirit of Christ was so powerful and strong. There were no more half-truths and half-lies, no more sometimes manifesting Jesus and sometimes not. It was either fully Jesus or fully the devil on earth. The new believers that got the revelation of Christ When they came to Jesus and to the refuge, they would have instant deliverance from being in the presence of Jesus. The demons in anyone were not able to hide. There was a complete separating in soul and body. 
when someone got the revelation of Jesus, they grew so quick and faster than we have ever seen. If it was someone's will to be only Jesus, they would have it, and all demons would go without a fight. And of course, this is talking about uh, Zion too. Zion is the foundation of it all. The Lord is going to go to the world through Zion, the Bible tells us, you know. Jesus walked down the street in a vessel, and it caused demonized people to flee. They could not be in his presence. They feared and trembled. Those that saw the light and those that God gave grace to come to him would see the light and run to it. And with them in agreement with the word, the devils will have to flee as soon as they repented. The presence was so strong that no person, factious person, or someone that was against the word was able to stay around the brethren because all of the devils were completely driven away. Jesus in everyone saw all the spirits in each person, and there was no deception because Jesus saw all lies because Jesus is only truth. The discernment was in black and white. Nothing was hidden. Everything was the light. It was instantaneous deliverance and complete healing for individuals. And multiple people in great numbers. Faith was poured out greater than ever. And people would believe things we never thought were possible. The enemy was completely exposed and literally couldn't even hide because of how great the light of Jesus was. People were gathered in uh, perfectly to the refuge, and only the Lord would ordain who was there. It was orchestrated with miracles and wonders. For example, someone in Africa wakes up and walks out of their shack, and they realize they aren't even in Africa anymore. And they look behind them, and the shack is gone because they got translated to the refuge. A man driving with his family, and the direction was to turn left, but he just turned right instead, and they just ended up at the refuge. Yes, we've been told this for a long time. Translations were going to be a regular thing to bring people there. And uh, miracles were going to keep people away, too. So, do you really want me, is what we call this one, Anonymous 624. The spiritual and physical are merging together as one. There is no fence sitting. What someone is in the spiritual will completely manifest in the physical. There is no hiding. The devils will manifest through their vessels stronger than ever, and Jesus in his vessels will manifest greater than ever. The war of heaven and hell are appearing together on earth in the physical. Every soul will be forced to choose one. Revelation twelve seven through 12 And the war was in heaven, Michael and his angels going to war with the dragon, 
and the dragon warred and his angels, and he prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in the heaven. And the great dragon was cast down, the old serpent, the one called devil and Satan, who deceiveth the whole inhabited earth. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast down with him. And I heard a great voice in heaven, saying, Now is the salvation and the power and the kingdom become our gods, and the authority is become his Christ. For the accusers of our brethren are cast down, who accuseth them before our God day and night. The accuser of our brethren is cast down, who accuseth them before our God day and night. What an awesome thing, right? And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and ye that tabernacle in them, Woe for the earth and the sea, because the devil is gone down unto you, having great wrath, knowing that he hath but a short season. Do not fear. My son, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. I am love. Accept my love and reject rejection. You are chosen for this time. You have been chosen as a vessel for my love to flow through. Heaven will be here through you. There is nothing any of you can do yourself. It is all me and my grace. Just rest in my presence and believe me, and I will manifest it all. I have already done all. All you need to do is to rest. Yes, it's all been accomplished. Exactly. Meditate on me. Keep your mind on me. Keep your body focused on me. When you don't feel my love and peace, stop everything and think and look to me. Choose me and my holy presence every moment. When you go out of me, come back to me. Everyone with me right now is 100% in my presence, and there is no going back and, and forth out of me. All of me in you is what I want. It is not your desires. It is my desire that I gave to you. I want to manifest through you more than you want me to. I want to use you for my glory and my praise. I need vessels that will choose me and my ways every moment. I am bringing heaven here on earth, and it is already here, and I am here now. And I will increase to the extent that you allow me. I will do what you allow me to do. Forget all worldly desires and distractions. I can fill your stomach without food. I give you energy without sleep. I am beyond anything you see and understand in the physical. And I will do greater works than you can imagine. Recognize the demons of rejection, unworthiness, as lies and pure evil. Rejection and unworthiness are what the demons will experience for eternity. They want to take you with them. 
But I have chosen you, and I have brought you with my son's blood. I have cleansed you, and I'm already prepared you for me to manifest through you. Everything is my works. I planned and wrote all before the world's foundation. I am, and everything is about me. So many of you are battling these demons of rejection, self-rejection, pride, and other lies. The demons are tricking you to think that you are separated from me, but you are not. You are closer to me than you can comprehend. Stop believing these lies. Stop being jealous and envious of your brethren. All and everything are from me. See me behind all vessels, good and evil. It is me in your brethren. It is all of me, and everything is my grace. Each of you are created for a specific purpose, and there is no other vessel that can be used for the same purpose that you were created for. Each of you are completely unique, and there is no other person in existence like you. Let go of pride. All is me. There is no pride in heaven. Lucifer is without me because of his pride. Reject it. I am all and in all. Uh, Is my will now and forever. I am all that will ever be. No soul with me right now has pride with them. No soul with me has rejection or jealousy or anything evil uh, with them. These are devils, and you need to recognize them and let them go. Rejection is a giant demon and the biggest lie, and it only wants you to feel rejected because it is rejected by me. I have not rejected you. I have known you before existence. And I knew all you will go through. I wrote your entire life, and you are already here with me and your brethren now for eternity. What you know as of time and the physical realm is coming to a close, and you will be walking in the spiritual. Heaven is here through you, and it is going to manifest in full. Remember, everything is my grace. Ask me for humility. It is a gift from me. Ask me for any kind and all of your needs, little and big. You have not because you ask not. Ask me and believe and you will receive. I am all. I want to give you more than you know, but I won't give it to you unless it is what you want. Lucifer wanted pride, so he was given pride, and the consequences of it. Those with me wanted to be one with me, and they are now here with me. And what you want, you will receive, as I don't give you what you don't want. I give you what you want. You have free will, and I will not force my love on you. I will not force you to be with me now and for eternity. That is up to you. Do you really want me to manifest through you? Do you really want 
uh, to let go of everything that isn't holy? Do you really want my pure, holy love and spirit in full? Do you want the 100% manifestation of my Son in all aspects of your existence, including the physical? Ask me and believe, and you will receive, not for yourself, but for me. It is for my glory, my praise, my honor. I am all and through all and in all. Now and forever, it is all for me. I am that I am. Second Corinthians 4.11 says, For we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That's this body right now. Completely all. And this was uh, given to Anonymous 6.22.23. When I had this experience, everything I wrote, I felt and saw as if it had fully manifested. And it was so real and alive and true. And I desired that I could have stayed in this experience. It was maybe like 10 to 30 seconds of seeing and feeling all of this. And it was so real, and I am so excited for us all to have this connection with God every moment, no matter what is going on, and to have His holy connection with each other and being one together without spot or blemish. I was praying in tongues, and I saw that very soon we are all going to be so connected to God. We already are, but it will physically manifest that we will hear His voice extremely clear every moment. And we know it is Him without doubt and unbelief that we will constantly be speaking to Him back and forth more than we speak to any human. And when awake and asleep, our soul will be communing with Him, just as the Holy Spirit does. Ephesians 3 and 18 says, May be strong to apprehend, not comprehend, as some versions say, to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. That's everything that Jesus is. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Just to let you know that this is not pie-in-the-sky stuff. It's right out of the Scriptures. The flesh will be so suppressed and submissive to the Holy Spirit, and we will be so in tune with God we know and obey what He wants with extreme joy in every moment, without complaint and without the flesh trying to stop us. We will have such boldness to have Him speak through us with no fear of man or fear of rejection. These things that try to hinder us from being, uh, being and living as Jesus won't even try to hinder us anymore. We will know 100% that He is in us and all around us, and we are one with Him. Him literally here is uh, in this physical flesh and the flesh in agreement without hindrance. Amen. That's the white horse. 
I've talked about it before. It represents the flesh that should be submissive and, and carries about the spiritual man, right? Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Just remember that. According to the power that worketh in us. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So ask big. That we would know and be living and breathing his word, not from our own works and in his strength, but from his spirit and grace in our soul. Every second we will know it is uh, his grace and we will rest beyond understanding because we are in him and him in us no matter what is going on around us. Our soul will be fully content with this and nothing can stop it and the flesh will submit. We will know Jesus' authority in us over the enemy and the enemy will flee with one, one word or thought because it's just Jesus in us. No more struggling with the flesh, but just being in Him. 1 Corinthians 15 and 28. And when all things have been subjected unto Him, then shall the Son also Himself be subjected to Him that did subject all things unto Him, that God may be all in all. All in all. Think about that. So, back to him, he said, What can constantly freely praise and worship him every moment with no temptation to complain, murmur, or doubt? Our soul is completely free to praise as the Holy Spirit desires and free to worship God with our body in the physical being submitted to doing all God wants. All of this while on earth in this physical body, alive in Christ. I saw that the brethren will be in complete unity because of Jesus, and the enemy won't be able to get in the way of oneness in Christ. Amen. No jealousy, no pride, no rejection, no battles of the flesh, but pure holy love one to another, loving each other, as we love ourselves, and serving each other as Christ serves. We will be one with no separation, no superiority, equal together in Christ, all different members, but all one body working together in unity like the human body. So connected, it's as if we are reading each other's mind and in agreement in our minds and souls and spirit. And the flesh is submitted, that everything flows perfectly because we are all are constantly connected and in tune with God and in tune with each other. Amen. So that our faith is complete with God, that we have not even a tiny doubt, and we know that what we ask we immediately receive because it's Christ in us. That which we command and speak into the physical is immediately manifested because Jesus in us is communing with the Father every second. 
The enemy doesn't even try his normal tactics of unclean thoughts and feelings because he knows we won't even accept or look at it. I knew that we will see and experience things we can't even imagine right now, but it is all for God's glory, and it will be only Jesus in us. We can't do anything to make this happen, but have faith in His grace to do it through us for His glory. Everything is for Him, now and forever. Amen. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. So we have to see the end from the beginning. That's what faith does. That's mine. When I see Jesus in the mirror, that's who I am, right? New training level, Samuel 5, 6, 23. You are now in a new level of training. This is an exercise of the tests and application of my word. Speak and hold to the miracles that I have promised. Many are showing others who are younger in the walk to have a go when in doubt or little experience. See how one who prays and praises in faith can move a miracle. And then others will add their belief and suddenly the power multiplies many times more and spreads beyond even the first person who prayed. The effects go to areas and new heights where no one had even thought. I am beyond the imagination or impossibility. You all are my vessel. I will flow through you all as a holy army. I landed on testifying in NENT, 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 through 12. As you know how we are, were exhorting you, each of you, as a father his own children, and encouraging and testifying that you should walk worthily of the God that called you into his own kingdom and glory. Oh, amen. So true. So true. Lord, we know great things are coming. This latter rain um, is going to empower many to walk fully in you. And uh, they are going to be powerhouses in this earth. We believe it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it so much, Lord. Amen. Okay, Michael is coming and some brethren going to join him, and y'all um, have a good time. Father, let your Holy Spirit flow in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. Sure is good to be back with you here on this nice summer day. Let's go ask the Lord to bless us. Father, we just ask and we pray that you would bless us this day with this very important word from you talking about the integrity of the word and i thank you for that father place it in our hearts to want to know what you say to us and to get that word in us lord because it is very important to walk in a fruitful way of you 
is to get that word in us. And I thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. You're the one that does all the work. All we do is just have faith to believe that you're doing it in us. And I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Well, that's what I want to talk about today is the integrity of the word. And uh, you know that the word is God speaking to us. Thus saith the Lord, or thus saith Jehovah, is repeated many multiple times just from Exodus to Deuteronomy. You know, God and his word are one. The word is always now. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the living word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and quick to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, notice carefully the next verse in Hebrews 4.13. And there is no creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked, and laid open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You know, the word is called the Logos. Jesus is the Logos. And the Logos is a living thing, not in the book, not on the written page, but it's the living thing on the lips of the believer. There's no created thing hidden from him, this living word. The word searches us out and finds us. You know, the word is our contact with God. And it is. It's the contact with God the Father. It is his contact with us. Listen to what John 16, 7 through 10 says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go, I will send him unto you. And he, when he is come, will convict the world in respect of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father and you behold me no more. He convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. We are convicted by the word. This conviction can come from no other source than the word of God. It's a threefold conviction. First, he convicts of our union with Satan, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged that the natural man is just in Satan, is a child of Satan. John 8, 44 and 45, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father it is your will to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and stands not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar, and the father thereof. 
45, but because I say the truth, you believe me not. First John 3.10 says this. It says, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. Now, secondly, he convicts of righteousness, showing that although we are children of the devil, righteousness is available and belongs to us. That righteousness is available and it belongs to us. Third, he convicts of sin because we believe not on him. There's only one sin for which the sinner will be judged, and that's the rejection of Jesus Christ. That's the word. And we are recreated by the word. James 1.18 says this, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And then John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except one be born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except one be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born anew. The wind blows where it will, and thou hearest the voice thereof, but knows not whence it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. First Peter one twenty three says, Having been begotten again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God who lives, the word imparts to us eternal life. And if it were not for the word, we wouldn't know that there was a redemption or a substitution or a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, they are become new. And 18. But all things are of God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave unto us the ministry of reconciliation. And then, our minds are renewed by the word, Romans 12 and 2. And be not fashioned according to this age, but be ye transformed or transfigured by the renewing of your mind, that ye may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Colossians 3 and verse 10. And have put on the new man that is being renewed unto knowledge, after the image of him that created him. The mind is renewed by studying the word and then by acting upon it. You might study the word for years, but if you don't act on it, if you don't live it, and you're not a doer, the mind is not renewed. 
James give us uh, the, the secret in James chapter 1 and verse 22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. A lot of Bible students are deceiving themselves because they're not acting, living, and doing the word. How many of you know we're indwelt by the word? Listen to what Colossians 3.16 says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. What does he mean by letting the word dwell in us richly? You know, that's a very notable sentence in this epistle. It's probably the, the most notable. John chapter 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be done unto you. The word here is dwelling in us. It's producing prayer fruit. Now read carefully this next verse. It says, verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciples. It's prayer fruit. It's the word bringing forth its own kind in the believer's life. It's not only meditating in it and, and committing the word to memory, which is valuable, but it's letting that word become an integral part of our beings. It lives in us. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Let Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith to the end that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Christ, folks, and the word are one. It's the word dwelling in you, which is equivalent to Christ personally being in you. When you let the word have its right of way in your life is letting Christ have his right of way. The word dominating you is the lordship of Christ in you. Let me say that again. Christ and the word of one is the word dwelling in you that's equivalent to Christ personally being in you. And it's letting the word have its way in your life that's letting Christ have his way in your life. And that word dominating you is the lordship of Christ in you. Acts 20 and 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all them that are sanctified. He commends us to the word of his grace. This word builds the Christ nature and the love nature of the Father into the individual. In other words, God's building himself into us. He's making himself a part of us as the word dominates and as it rules and satisfies our spirit nature. You can't build one up spiritually on philosophies or theories about the word or even on the history of the Word. We're only made spiritual by living in the Word and by the Word living in us. And we're also healed by the Word. Psalms 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word and healed them. You know, not many Christians 
have realized that it is the word that heals us. You know, we talk about faith in the word. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But it's when Isaiah 53, 4 becomes a reality in our spirit. Listen, surely he hath borne our griefs or sicknesses and carried our diseases. And we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted that it operates in our physical bodies. That's when it comes into the physical bodies. He was stricken and smitten with our diseases and sins. And then the word declares in the fifth verse, by his stripes we are healed. We read it, meditate on it, and then we know it's true. Jeremiah one twelve says, I watch over my word to perform it. So we know that the Father watches over his word, that he's going to make that word good in us. He said, surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Then we don't need to carry them ourselves, do we? If he did it, why should we do it? They can't be a part of us because he put our diseases and sins on Jesus. Made him to be sin on our behalf is what it says. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians 5.21 The righteousness of God can't be sick and can't be ruled by sin. Satan has no dominion over the righteousness of God unless we give it to him. It's the word that has given us this knowledge. It's the word that has saved us, recreated us. And it's the word that heals us now. It's the word that makes us masters of Satan. Mark 16 and 17. In my name, you shall cast out demons. Glory to God. And it's the word that has taught us the value of the name, the authority of the name. And our legal right to use, to the use of the name. So it's the word in reality that has healed us. You know, we know the Father through the word. Look at John chapter 16, verses 47 and 28. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came out from the Father. And now come into the world again. I leave the world and go unto the Father. And then John seventeen twenty three, that the world may know that thou didst send me and lovest them even as thou lovest me. John fourteen twenty three, if a man love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Those three scriptures right there prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the father loves his children. He loves his new creation born again people as much as he loved Jesus. And folks, that is a joy to make his home with them. Glory to God. What would it mean? To have the Father and Jesus both living in your home. I'll tell you what it would mean. It would ensure the rent, the taxes, and all the bills because the Father's going to pay his way and he's going to enable you to meet every obligation. How intimate he wishes to become with us. 
Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Now here's the kicker. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Praise God. Faith comes through the word. Romans 10 and 8 says, The word of faith which we preach. Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, I used to wonder how we could look into Jesus. Then when I found that the word of Jesus were one, I knew that by looking into the word and acting on the word that I brought Jesus on the scene instantly. And when I knew how faith is perfected by our acting on the word, letting the word loose in us to live in us, dominate us, rule us, I found the secret. Mark 16, 18. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This means nothing until we act on it, right? You got to lay your hands on the sick before you can see them recover. It says, in my name they shall cast out demons. The scriptures, the word, means nothing until we act on it. John fifteen sixteen that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will do it. And that scripture right there is useless. It's dead in itself until you act on it. It's acting on the word that builds faith in the believer. You might have all the promises. You might have the mighty Holy Spirit dwelling in you. But if you don't act on the word, God is impotent in you. Acting on the word makes Jesus vitally real to the believer. Second Corinthians 5 and 7 said, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now the word in our lips, Romans 10 Verses 9 and 10. Because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's the word in my lips that counts. The word becomes a living thing on the lips of the believer. It brings the unsaved man under conviction. It gives him faith to act on the word. It causes the believer to, in Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not upon thine own understanding. Your word becomes God's word. And your lips become God's ambassador. God's word in your mouth, fresh from the love in your heart, burns in the heart of the hearer. Now, feeding on the word. Matthew 4, verse 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Thy words were formed, and I did eat them. And thy words were unto me a joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of hosts. Psalm 78, 24 and 25. And he rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them food from heaven. Man did eat the bread of the mighty. Job 23 and 12. I have not gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured up the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Glory to God. Now the prevailing word. The word takes the place of the unseen Christ. Meditation in the word is a visit with him. The word becomes a part of one by meditation. You meditate on the word and it'll start becoming a part of you. The word living in us gets into our blood. Acts 19.20 So mightily grew the word of the Lord and prevailed. Now a revival in Ephesus was shaking that whole nation. It wasn't Paul's preaching. It wasn't his logic or his philosophy. It was the word of God. Acts 12.24 about but the word of God grew and multiplied. It grew in the minds of the people. It gained the supremacy over them. Now, faith makes the word prevail. Faith comes when the word prevails over the thinking processes. In Matthew eight twenty three and 27, we see the word prevailing in Jesus' lips over the laws of nature. And you remember that he said, O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The word prevailed in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 12. The word in Jesus' lips. Prevailed over the disease in the centurion's servant. Matthew 8 and 13 says, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And the servant was healed in that hour. Then in Matthew 14, 13 through 21, the word in Jesus' lips ruled the law of supply and demand. Five loaves and two fishes multiplied until 5,000 people were fed and 12 baskets of fragments were left over. Then John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that hath been made. Jesus and the Word are one, folks. God honors the human language by calling Jesus the Word. The whole universe was brought into being by words. God spoke in Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. The word of God, a spirit, 
creates material things, proving that the spirit is greater than the material. John 1, verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, we have the spoken word in the lips of Jesus. Then we have the word made flesh dwelling in our midst. Then we have the spoken word in the lips of the apostles before the Pauline revelations came. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. And for this cause, we also thank God without ceasing that when you receive from us the word of the message, even the word of God, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also works in you that believe. While Paul was in Thessalonica, it was the spoken word, but his epistles are the written word, the life-giving word. Psalms 107, verse 20, he sends his word and heals them. You know, and that word was manifested in the flesh. It was manifested as the spoken word through the lips of Jesus, as the spoken word through the apostles, and finally was put on paper in the language of men so that we might have a permanent record of this living word. Glory to God. The word prevails over the senses. Romans four seventeen through 19 gives us a graphic picture of the word prevailing over the fear and hope and sense knowledge in the mind of Abraham. God's word was spoken through an angel to this man, and it declared in Romans four seventeen through 19, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made thee. Before him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls the things that are not as though they were. Now, notice carefully the next sentence, verse 18. Who in hope believed against hope to the end that he might become a father of many nations. Hope and faith were in combat there. Faith won, praise God, and made hope a reality. You remember uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, don't you? Faith is giving substance to things that we have hope for. Hope is always in the future. It's a dream. It's never reality. Faith reaches up and grasps hope, brings it into the realm of the present. Romans 4 and 19, and without being weakened in faith, he considered, considered his own body now as good as dead. He being about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. That man had hope for a child. Now faith has changed the hope into reality, praise God. Verse 20, yet looking unto the promise of God, spoken through an angel, he wavered not through unbelief, but waxed strong through faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform, would become a reality. And so Abraham's faith was reckoned to him as righteousness, right? This righteousness gave the man a standing with God, the standing of a friend with God. The word in our lips. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7 tells us that the word of God increased 
as they placed in practice what they had heard from the master's lips. The word began to develop and grow until it became a great mighty force in the hearts of men and women. It was the prevailing word. The word has been a living, growing force. And the word is eternal, like God. It's ever young. It is ever new. Matthew 24 and 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It's part of God. It's what God is. And Philip asked Jesus in John 14 and 9, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said in John 14, 10, Have I been so long time with you? And do thou not know me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You know, Jesus and the Father were one, and Jesus and the Word, the Logos, are one. And Jesus said in John twelve forty nine, Before I spake not from myself, but the Father that sent me, he hath given me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life eternal. The things, therefore, which I speak, even as the Father has said unto me, so I speak. So you can see Jesus' fearlessness in the presence of disease and of demons. He was using the Father's words. And he knew that they couldn't fail. We ought to get to that area there where we know that when we speak the word of God, it's not going to fail. Look at Second uh, Timothy 4 and 2. Preach the word, be urgent in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Jesus preached the word and it healed the sick. It broke the power of demons over men. The apostles, they preached the word, and then the sick were healed, the dead were raised, and the multitudes were recreated. To preach the word means to preach Christ, because Christ is the word. And to preach the gospel means to preach the word, the good news. You know, the word makes us love. Until the word prevails... Uh, in John 13, 34, and 35, will never be known in the world. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another even as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Love was the prevailing power that unseen something that governed the early church. First John 4, verses 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is begotten of God and knows God. He that loves and not knows not God, for God is love. Love here is proof of the new birth. Only the lovers have evidence that they have passed out of death into life because they love the brethren. He that loves not abides in death. He has never received eternal life, the nature of God. Only as the word prevails in the heart 
do we actually know the reality of these divine things? The word makes us love. First John chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. He that loves his brother abides in light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. The word of law prevailing in the heart takes a man out of the realm of weakness and failure, where his words will call a, cause offense and his actions will lead others to do wrong. And you know, the word makes us a conqueror too. If he hates his brother, he's, leaving, he's living in darkness. And the word has not prevailed in his life. He's walking as a common man. First Corinthians chapter three and verse three says, for are ye yet, for ye are yet carnal, excuse me, for ye are yet carnal, which means you're ruled by the senses. For whereas there is among you jealousy and strife, are ye not carnal? And do you not walk after the manner of common men? How many believers, because the word does not prevail in them, live as common men? Disease and sickness prevails over them because they don't walk in the light of the word. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And as long as sickness prevails over you, you're walking in darkness. You mentally assent to the word, but you don't act on it. And as long as you walk in poverty and your testimony is of your needs and your lack, the word has not prevailed in your life. Philippians 4.19 has no place in the life that is not dominated by the word because it says it. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When the word prevails, you have plenty for yourself and for others. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 has not yet gained the ascendancy in the unfruitful life. Because it says, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And a faltering, stumbling confession is present when the word has not prevailed over your reasoning faculties. And when Christ and the word have not become a reality. Romans chapter 10 and verse 8 says, But what says it? The word is nigh thee, in thy mouth, and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And you'll never recognize the secret of faith until you see this truth, that the word must prevail over your mind. And when the word becomes as real to you as the word of a friend, then faith ceases to be a problem. And you'll no longer think of faith or the need of it. You see, Jesus never intimated a need of faith. Why? Because he had the Father's words. Did God say it? Yeah. Then it is. Psalms 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. 
of whom shall I be afraid? Did he say that he is the strength of my life? Then he is. I have all the strength I need for any emergency or any need. Do I like wisdom? Well, most of us do. Well, 1 Corinthians one thirty says that God made Jesus to be wisdom unto us. That means we shall have ability to use the knowledge that's given to us in the word that we, we are no longer to walk in darkness for we got the light of life. Glory to God. Colossians one thirteen has become a reality in our life. Who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have our redemption. Delivered out of weakness, out of spiritual blindness, delivered out of the old mental state of inability, that now we can do all things in him because he has become our ability. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. That has become ours, okay? It's our very own. And it says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to account anything as from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant. The word at last prevails. We are what he says we are, and we can do what he says we can do. He says what he says he is, and no word from him is void of ability to make good in us. And when we, this is acting on the word, believing Folks demands action. It creates action. Mental assent admires, admits, but it don't act. Acting on the word is letting Christ act through you. Acting on the word then gives God an opportunity. Giving the word his place is giving Christ his position of lordship. And the problem of believing is made simple when we know that it's acting on what God has spoken. Matthew 7, 24 and 45. Everyone, therefore, that hears these words of mine and does them shall be likened unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon the rock. You know what the rock is, don't you? It's doing the word. He that does not do the word never builds upon a solid foundation. Matthew seven twenty six and 27. Everyone that hears these words of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came, and the winds blew and smote upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. So he's talking about the hearer here must become a doer, or else that entire structure that he builds is going to be destroyed. And Jesus illustrates that. He made us know what acting on the word really means. 
He said, you know, the wise man is the doer of the word. The others hear, but they don't act on it. He is a sense knowledge here. He is a mental assenter. And he may be a vague, indefinite hoper, but he ain't a doer. He responds to reason instead of the word. His spiritual life is built on sand. If he has faith in anything, it's man and what man has done. Man's science, works, organization, etc. And you can tell whether a man is building on the sand or on the rock by noticing whether he is practicing or not, whether he is acting on the word. James chapter 1, verses 22 and 25, through 25. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deluding your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes away, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But he that looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and so continues, being not a hearer that forgets, but a doer that works, this man shall be a blessed in his doing. Now let's talk about the self-deluded. The one who thinks that knowledge is all that's necessary. They're going to fall. It is the doer of the work. The man who practices it, lives it, walks in it, that builds it into his own life whom God honors. There is a grave danger of deluding our own selves because we know the word. We may be familiar with the original Greek or Hebrew. We might know the history of the word. You know what? That's all a wasted energy if you don't live and act the word. Practice it. When you come to a hard place and need money, you resolutely turn to the Lord because you know that Philippians 4.19, what it said, and my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You've taken your place. You act the part of a real believer. Instead of turning to the burglary elements of the world, you turn to the Father, glory to God. And if a loved one is sick, instead of being frightened or scared, you remember what the word said. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases, and we have come to esteem him as the one who was stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted with those diseases. We know it now. We act on the word. We don't fear. We're not disturbed. Because we know that the word says that with his stripes we were healed. Or if some serious business has come, some rumor, the adversary has stirred things to our detriment. We know that the word tells us in Isaiah 54 and 17 that no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment Thou shalt condemn. And that's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, it says. You see, you can trust him. You can bank on the Lord. Your expectations are from him. You don't turn to the burglary help 
of sense knowledge. We do the word, we live the word, we act the word. We trust implicitly in the word. And we know that God and his throne are back of every word. And that gives us a quiet, restful confidence. John 15, 9, abide ye in my law. You remember that he loves you and that you are born of that new kind of love. Do you remember 1 John 4 and 8 where it says God is love? You remember that. And you remember that you are a partaker of his nature, 2 Peter 1 and 4. And so with a quiet confidence, you live love. You practice love. You are a doer of love. You're not a hearer only. You're not only an admirer of love, but you're an actual doer. You live in the love realm. You speak love. You walk in love. You live the love life. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another even as I have loved you. You face that squarely. And you decide it definitely in your own life that you're going to love men even as they are. That means you're going to practice it. And men around you might not understand you. They may think that you're unwise. And, but you live this love life. You're taking Jesus' place, acting as Jesus act. You are one that loves as Jesus loved, and you're not deluding yourselves now. For in John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows or it means practices what I teach, shall have the light of life. You're going to prove to the world that you have the light. They that walk in human reasoning are walking in darkness, and they know not whether they go. They have deluded themselves, and the great teachings are mere doctrines to them, a part of their creed. And they'll assent that is true, but they dissent when you ask them to practice it. The one who loves as Jesus loved is not going to delude anyone else. There are word hearers, mere listeners, good talkers, but not doers. John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bears much fruit. Well, what kind of fruit is it? It's love fruit. It's faith fruit. It's prayer fruit. It's the same kind of fruit that Jesus bore. It will be doing what Jesus did. John fifteen seven says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be done unto you. The doer abides in Christ, and his words are living in him in the measure that he lives in them does them and practices them. All his decisions are made by the word. He's living in the realm of the living Christ. Now notice the eighth verse in John chapter 15. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so shall you be my disciples. Well, what kind of fruit is it? It's the fruit that comes from doing the word. The hearer may show many blossoms of promise, but it's the doer 
that delivers the ripened fruit. Because the word lives in him, he lives in the word. He is the fruit-bearing branch. He's a real doer. And prayer is a reality. He's not talking off in the space. He's in the throne room in the presence of the Father, glory to God. And here the name of Jesus is always honored. He receives that for which he asks. Did you notice this? As you live in me and my words live in you, that's the real doing of the word. Not just a doctrine, but God speaking and God living in his own word in us. Now let's talk about the real doer. James chapter 2 and verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith apart from works is barren? It's only empty words. They're, they're nice and lovely and they're beautiful, but they're never made real. And unless you are a doer of the word, you're not a believer of the word. You have nothing but a mental assent without action. A mere empty profession of religion of words. Jesus will call them a sand foundation. Just a sand house made by idle hands on the seashore to be destroyed by the next tide that comes in. What a danger is a religion of words if there is no corresponding action. If one is not a doer of the word, he is a foolish builder on the sand of the senses. First John three seventeen and 18 says this, But whoso hath this world's goods and beholds his brother in need and shuts up his compassion from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither with the tongue, but in deed and truth. In deed and truth. Well, how does the love of God function in a man that only loves with words, empty words, idle words? He studies the word. He knows all about the word. He hears. He knows. But he does not do. Let us act. Love. Let us do love. We are love's product, the sons and daughters of love. Love brought us into being. But we have to let love do its perfect work in us. We have to let love loose in us because love bears the light. Then let that love lead. Follow in the light of love. First John chapter one, verses five and six says this. And this is the message which we have heard from him and announce unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. First John 3 verses 19 through 23 says, Hereby shall we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our heart before him because if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23. And this is the commandment that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, even as he gave us commandment. 
Folks, this is heart searching. When you can say, God, you know that I'm walking in the light of love. I am doing your word. And then you persuade your heart. And as you go into his presence for intercession, your heart's not fearful. Your heart does not condemn you. Your heart is in perfect fellowship with this living word. And you have boldness in his presence, conscious that you are welcome. You make your petition in the name of Jesus. And you know that the Father hears you and that you have the petition of your heart. You are a doer of the word. The word is living in your lips. This is just as though the master spoke it himself. That man gets what he prays for. We do the things that are pleasing to him. In other words, we are taking Jesus' place. We are father pleasers, just like Jesus was. John 8 29, he that sent me is with me. He hath not left me alone, for I do always the things that are pleasing to him. It's a doer of the word that receives things from God. Idle words may entertain men, but they do not reach God. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to to the power that works in us. Now, note that word do, because we are doers of the word. But you're, you're saying back to me, how can I do it? I don't have the ability to live this life. Well, he said that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. And it's going to be according to the ability of God that's at work within you. Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He's with you in the living word. He is with you in the presence of the mighty Holy Spirit that lives in us. He hasn't left us alone, and he'll not leave us alone. His ability is our ability. His strength is our strength. And as we begin to do the word, he begins to do in us and through us, and how it ought to thrill us as we realize that First John 4, 4 is absolutely true. Ye are of God, my little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're not of this world, even as Jesus is not of the world. You're here, but you are energized by him. You have him as your wisdom. First Corinthians 1 and 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who was made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And that's absolutely true in your case. God has made him to be wisdom unto you. He is your redemption as well. A redemption from your weakness and failure and lack of ability and ignorance. You're redeemed out of the fear of all of that. Colossians 1 and 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray and make requests for you, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We have exact knowledge, complete knowledge, perfect knowledge, and that knowledge is in the Word. When brought to light by the Spirit, 
this mighty holy one that is in us is taking out of the word all that you need and bringing it into you as you study and meditate on it. Your walk now will be the fruit of that word. Thrilling and exciting. All of us to be laboring together with him. Second Corinthians 6 and 1. And working together with him, we entreat also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Folks, you're not working alone. And the last verse is Romans 8 and 31. And I'm going to finish with it. If God is for us, who is against us? Well, glory to God. Lord, I thank you for placing it in each and every one of us to meditate and study on the word and start being a doer of the word in Jesus' name. Well, folks, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next time. God willing. Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh, Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus, I trust in you And when I face that darkest night Shining rays of red and white Jesus, I trust in you O sacred heart, in you I find Mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine O Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus Yeah.